0: BLOB TALK RADIO Aloha, welcome to Talking Pictures with Paul Booth I'm your host of course So happy to be here today You know what, I'm happy to be here every day This is my, I don't want to say my happiness But uh, we are so excited today Because we're going to have uh, Ms. James Laxton Who is the cinematographer of If Beale Street Could Talk Which uh, is Barry Jenkins' latest film all who he is because you all love the moonlight. I'm sure judgmental people have their things to say, but we'll let that fall. One second while I bring in Mr. La- Laxton. Welcome. Hey, hello. How's it going? Good. How about you? uh Just first, I want to know do you want to go by Mr. Laxton or James? <laughs> uh
1: James is just fine. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, some people say that to me. And- my dad's Mr. Booth, but uh, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> um, Amazing, uh,
1: yeah.
0: First of all, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate the time of all our guests. And uh, oh. we were, I was just... Oh, go
1: ahead. What's that? I said no, not at all. Thank you for having me, of course.
0: Oh, okay. excellent. So just a quick show maintenance uh, for the audience. Uh, James is a Oscar nominee for... His work on well shooting the, the best picture winner, Moonlight, uh, I was so tempted to say, what do you think of the La La Land envelope, but I wasn't going to um, ask you. <laughs> I just said it. That's the other rule for the show. All new listeners, anything I say is the opinion of the show, and anything James says is his opinion, so we want to keep that right. Uh, we're here today to talk about <laughs> If You she Could Talk, which is, uh, another film he's done with Barry Jenkins, and just the quick synopsis here is, let's see, it follows a young woman's mission to prove the innocence of her child's father before she gives birth, and now in your biography it said you like to make hard ocean films, and so just to, just so I have a beacon for this, it will probably be the only standard question that we go over, is uh, what did you shoot it on? <laughs>
1: We shot the film on the Alexa 65, which is um, it's a digital camera, of course. Uh, I guess it's what we call large format cinematography. Um, but uh, basically, it just is um, you know a, a, a similar camera to what we all are familiar with with the uh, Arri Alexa. But in this camera particularly, it's one with a, a much larger sized uh, chip, um, which is indicative of a larger field of view and some lenses that go along
0: with it and things like that. Okay, excellent. Thank you. I just want to let you know that you, uh, all due respect, you're talking with a guy who got D's in cinematography class. (laughs) Sure. But Um, I do know who Roger Deakins is. Oh, yeah. As we all (laughs) said. The man. I can remember my cinematography teacher taking me down the hall and saying, what the F is your problem? All right. So (laughs) where it all... (laughs) Where it all starts, of course, as people know, or, you know, I think we both know filmmaking is so collaborative, but there's still that lingering. And of course, all due respect to Barry Jenkins, James Baldwin, it of course starts with the written words, but what really hit me last night was I thought, wow, how many, uh, obviously not how many drafts, but how often does the lighting plan have to change with each Mm -hmm. time you got a draft or a scene, say, and just anything you'd like to talk about with, and, and to mm-hmm. use that for if Beale Street could talk.
1: Sure. Well, um, you know, it's interesting. So, uh, as you point out, um, you know, it all begins with um, the story uh, written by James Baldwin, and then adapted for the screen um, by our director Barry Jenkins. But um, you know, the adaptation process didn't stop there. Um, you know, even for me, for cinematography. It, uh, as it was for all the different sort of departments, production design, costume design, of course, the actors uh, speaking his words on screen, things like this. You know, we all attempted very much so to, to um, you know, bring the written word to the screen in each of our own ways. And, um, you know, one way I did that for cinematography was to try to play very close attention to how Mr. Baldwin uh, uses his own voice um, and and you know particularly for example when I read uh, the, the the novel <clears throat> and when I also just you know read Mr. Baldwin's works at large um, you know I, I find him speaking with a very particular strength and sort of power I find he's a very this writer that I think conjures sort of powerful emotions um, uh, with I mean, with powerful statements and at the same time having the ability to speak with such such nuance and such sensitivity. Um, and so those two sort of like converging uh, concepts for me, you know, had a lot to do as to why we chose to shoot the film on the Alexa 65, our, our shooting format. Um, it's a camera that, you know, with its large field of view, um, with its high dynamic range, so that's sort of the latitude and how the camera can handle the highlights and the shadows in the same image. Um, and, you know, it just sort of spoke to those two concepts, this power and this sensitivity, um, you know, and so, so you know, while the ad process, of course, we all kind of understand it in regards to screenplay, but for cinematography, it also played a very big role in terms of the kind of choices that we made, um, you know, uh, creating the visual language of the film with our uh, camera movements, and, and in this case, like, for example, I just said the camera format,
0: now, field of view, Just uh, is, is there something you could compare that to in 35-millimeter yeah, sure. language? Totally. So, so absolutely. I'll, I'll try to like, I'll try to be brief. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, so, basically, well, I just, you know. No, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just, you. I'm just saying I understand laughing.
0: trying to be brief.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, let's say, let's put it this way. You know, say you're on a 35-millimeter camera, and you're on, say, like a 50-millimeter lens. And you have a, an actor in front of you and that that lens is showing you a medium close-up, let's say. Let's see you know, the shoulders are in the frame, the bottom of the frame, the top of the head, and the top of the frame. Now, with this same with the same focal length, but like that same fifty millimeter lens, um, but with this larger chip within the electric sixty five, you know, all of a sudden now I'm seeing down past their waist on the lower part of the frame continuing to see above their head on the upper part of the frame. So the field of view, meaning how much you see within the frame on the same focal length at the same distance, all of a sudden becomes much greater. Um, so that's sort of – does that make sense? that's sort of how I would
0: explain oh, yes, what, yes, how definitely. field of view works. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Cool. I, I was uh, I was just uh, – I would I know this is like yours. This is would just be a completely different podcast, but I always – think of how could like Lawrence of Arabia been done on a digital camera it couldn't have right (laughs) but but I just that's what I think of like when you explain those things and it's I uh, obviously will set aside the digital film debate the streaming film debate right if you have a (laughs) question comes in you talk you liked uh, you're talking about reading the book uh, sensitivity towards emotions adaptation I'm interested in how has a cinematographer if Beale Street could talk you dealt with the technical versus potentially intellectualizing the book and the emotions versus keeping the emotions human. I think cinematography, the reason why it's so hard for me, I think it's an artist, a technician, a human, and somebody who's intellectualizing. <laughs> um, well, I'm
1: flattered. Do you think that's what all I do? I mean, I, you know, I, I try my hardest to sort of do all those things at once. Um, definitely, you know, the love of the job does sort of exist in a few different sort of pools. Um, So, you know, it's just, you know, it's kind of the job on some level to learn and master the technical part and then forget it right away when you arrive on set and you are making choices that are creative because hopefully all those things that you're deciding upon about, you know, how the light might play on an actor's face, uh, what lens to choose and from where to shoot the scene, really has to come from a human instinctual place inside. I mean, that's how Barry and I work anyway. Um, When we're making a choice as to where the camera goes, we're definitely not having, like, theoretical conversations as to, you know, um, this is, you know, uh, the reason why we are pushing the camera here or lighting this way has X, Y, and Z meanings. The truth is we're having very, like, emotional sort of trust, gut-level decision-making processes uh, as to why we do what we do. Um, and so in my mind, um, the whole idea is to learn all those things, learn the craft, learn the technical parts of it all, but then forget it right away. <laughs> because uh, okay. you know, it can't
0: come from there. <laughs> um, well, oh, well, so, I, I think I think you guys are very similar to musicians. It's like Eric is not thinking B chord, A chord, right? So... That's a really great uh, thing that you said about forgetting it. Uh, that brings me to you guys. Uh, the film, the, this film is so emotional. And uh, I thought about these, the, on on the surface, we won't obviously won't get into the BS of race, justice, society, but with such hard emotions, uh, you would just mentioned you, you're just thinking on a gut level. Does it come across you and, uh, yeah. Mr. Jenkins, mind of okay, we're we're going to make this film, but that ultimately, your film is just going to become my perception. How do you, how does that? I've always wondered how that plays.
1: Well, well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, because we kind of the the hope is that the choices that we make that come from inside of us, Barry Nine, the case of cinematography, a um, film. Are 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 also sort of our own, um, and we're choosing them because we feel something about them, right? Um, the way the light plays, the, the the way the camera might move, in you know, uh, instills a sort of emotional reaction within our own self. Now, hopefully, that transcends to you as an audience as well. Um, that's our hope. It's not something we can uh, can sort of guarantee, but it's sort of our job to. Uh, translate our sort of um, emotions about a character, how we feel about a character in in each scene and with each perspective. Hopefully, you know, we're able to sort of translate that emotional core into camera movement, into lens choice, into lighting and things like that. Um, And hopefully these translate. Sometimes they don't. (laughs) But the hope is that, you know, with any luck, we're making choices that also, while they have to do with us, and they have to do with our own feelings about these things. They have very hopefully continue to mean something to you as an audience as well. Oh,
0: that's really interesting. Uh, ever uh, very often, I tr- I try to act like I say it's once in a while, but I guess we'll <laughs> give an answer, and then I'm like, oh crap, I'm supposed to say something. I can't have dead air, but I want to soak that in. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I, <laughs> I was uh, I was kind of thinking that. I, the thing I did want to touch on was the perception and justice and, the uh, just like I said, we won't get into the race thing, but one of my favorite films about justice is 12 Angry Men, and I always thought that mm-hmm. the greatest power was that you never see the criminal, and that whole scene where the guy goes, I know these people, there's some of them, and I just thought that was such a good thing, of course, Cindy let the Jedi Yoda. Um, uh, and Boris Kaufman, that's a great cinematographer and also on the waterfront, as you know. Uh, but when, the way he's saying they and them, I know it obviously, I don't want to say different because we're all the same, but there's obviously a maybe if you want to just say 20 degrees to the right, that obviously Mr. Jenkins has a different take than I'm going to have because I'm half Mexican, half white. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, looking at the justice system, is there mm-hmm. any form of something you could talk about? Uh, and I, I don't mean putting you on the spot socially. Wait, let me reframe this. I'm sorry. I shut sure. myself up. I apologize. Um, let's just use 12 Angry Men. And I, I brought that up because I was keen. 12 Angry Men w- was able to say, they, you're dealing with these themes to where I get Regina King. So I know right away, woman, African American. I know right away all the heaviness. So it says you like hard emotion. So maybe I'll just you can answer however you want. Obviously, uh, I guess maybe I'll just say, is that was that something that you kind of subconsciously look for to be that heavy duty? Sorry, I'm trying to understand the question a little bit. I, 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 okay. I'm not sure. No, no. It's I guess it, it,
1: I, whether I think that whether whether I'm thinking about Regina's character and how I make choices about sort of social justice and race relations in America, or I'm trying to think of what yes, how, I, how yes, exactly. the answer. Yes. Sorry. Oh no, no, exactly.
0: That's well, what sure.
1: I I mean, I think I think I'll put it this way. I think my job as a cinematographer, very often, if not always, is to sort of provide sort of a context for the story a little bit, you know, also we're making choices about character, of course, but, you know, the broad sort of decision-making like what I start with when I'm beginning the film and I, and I think about them in in a way to sort of try my best to provide a, a certain context by which an audience will view the, the story from, um, you know, the, to your point and in and, and the, the words you know, you chose a minute ago, the heaviness, of some of the subject matter in this film, uh, and how you know the family, Fonny, Tish, you know all of the the the, the characters in the story do sort of you know carry with them um, a, a definite sort of you know a burden. I you could say a, a challenge, a you know a heaviness. To your point, um, you know a, you know on a daily basis <laughs> just to be you know, to, to have, have to go through what they're going through in the story. Um, and, you know, I think about, for example, the scene where Fonny is talking with Daniel over the kitchen table in his apartment. And the camera, you know, the lighting is sort of, you know, moody. There's a blueness to uh, cast with a high contrast with, you know, uh, some, some darkness in the frames. Um, and the camera is moving back and forth between the two characters through the scene oftentimes Um, and it it, it hopes to provide um, attention of course Um, attention about what uh, the characters are discussing and also to provide sort of the um, like I said a minute ago the context by which you view from Uh, and hopefully that context is in support of the you know the ideas and um, the the philosophies of what the movie is about uh, in this case, you know, the t- they're discussing, you know, the two years Daniel has just spent in prison and, and how that has affected him, you know, in numbers of ways, but, you know, primarily emotionally, uh, he, you know, he's talked about being scared. Um, so, you know, absolutely, my job, um, as with Barry's, as with, as with our actors, of course, and as with our uh, other departments, uh, editing for sure, for example, we, we all sort of make choices, I think, about, you know, helping provide that context for um, the scene. Um, so there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, Regina's plight, Regina's character's plight, rather, um, is, is something that I make choices from. Uh, and about and in support of, as with as with Bonnie's character, and, and for sure with Tish. I mean, Tish is the main character of the movie, so most everything revolves around her. Um, and so, yeah, it's always on the on my mind. Um, you know, not just with this film, but with all films, is to sort of you know put myself in a character's position um, and try and make visual choices that are in support and and carry with them the weight of um, of each uh, character's story.
0: Now you mentioned blue as your first words describing that scene, and <laughs> I'm only going to mention light here so everybody can be on the same page because we we've, obviously we both know more people have seen light just because of the time passing. Is there a secret? And obviously you want me if it is, but is there? Um, <laughs> what what are you and Mr. Jenkins saying? I heard I heard a field street talk. I instantly thought, okay, this is some cool. Yeah. Hoppy, happy, hippie movie about the blues, Beale Street. Uh, mm, yeah, so sure. Moonlight, mm-hmm. So blue, what, what, are, what, are you, what are you telling us?
1: Well, I should say the, the, most of the
0: palette of the film,
1: you know, isn't so blue. Most of it is warm, really. Um, and the film takes place in sort of autumn, in the autumn months of um, in, in Harlem uh, in New York City. And uh it's a you know, really a love story amongst it being about, you know, um, social justice and race relations in America, you know, at the core of this thing is is love and you know, the love of Tish and Fawny. And so, you know, so much of our choices about color palette, you know, revolved around, you know, two things. One, um, New York and Harlem to be specific, and two, about love. Um, and so when I think of love and I think of you know the first times I felt love oftentimes were my family's home growing up, which were you know at dinner tables and in living rooms that were lamp lit warm glows and things like that and so I think you know I brought that into some decision making towards you know why the palette of light specifically um casts uh, such a warm sort of amberness um the blue in that particular scene is um is unique to it into and, and unique to that scene particularly um you know largely because of what they're discussing uh, and it was important for us to to not apply for example um you know that warm hue of you know in the in the river's home in the beginning of the film uh it would be silly to sort of have you know the scene with finn and daniel have the same sort of tonalities and so he chose to, um, to film that scene with much more blue sort of daylight fading outside the windows pushing through and, and casting light onto Daniel's face and the back of Fonny's um, uh, um, uh, backlight as well. Um, you know, and that's what's interesting about that is the next scene that transitions after that scene is over with Daniel and Sonny is the dinner scene uh, where the three of them, you know, Tish, Sonny, and Daniel are sharing a meal together. And that's back to being warm. And this, this feeling of, of, um, of love and of hope. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, the differences of light color and palette within those things are clearly, are, are very much uh, purposeful. And so, you know, we, discuss them, you know, in pre production going into the film, um, rather specifically about, you know, where the light might be coming from in the fading hours of, of an afternoon versus, you know, what happens when, you know, it's 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 a, a dinner table scene where the tone shifts back to being about family and about love.
0: I like that because the different tones, the different palettes, I think and there's so many different loves. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I think obviously father and son love is heavy duty and complicated, but also so is husband and wife. Uh, obviously sure. who, you, who you come from is a different thing. Um, but I, you know, I'm kind of in, I'm intrigued by the emotions and the things you're talking about because I have, uh, you know, I have to be vulnerable if I want other people to be vulnerable. I have a brother I don't talk to at all, but I have 40 years old and I have friends of 26 years that, um hmm. I, I don't want to I love more than my brother uh past the biology part but um so that brings me to you that you guys are dealing with these huge things I mean I'm trying to think of how to go through some of the emotions that you're working with uh Mr. Jenkins on so I guess we'll start with the most cliche question of all and I'm going to just hmm. go into a little bit whatever you're willing to just talk about your process with Mr. Jenkins uh any specific films you've watched for
1: this movie or you know it's interesting. Um, we didn't watch a lot of films for this. This film, particularly, mostly you know the the visual approach came primarily from a lot of still photography, um, in particular uh, works of Gordon Parks and Roy De DeCarava. Mm-hmm. I think were both very very influential for us. And so you know um, we, we did we did watch some films from the 70s and specifically some films of, from Harlem in the 70s. Um, you know, but but, you know, how palette worked and how light wanted to play upon faces, I would say, were more influential from still photography than they were for, from, you know, film history, let's say.
0: Thank you for saying, Gordon Parks. Uh, mm. Man, everyone out there, please look this guy up. I'm, I'm 99%, I'm 100% sure, uh, <laughs> African American to photograph a, an American president, uh, which used to have, we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, Gordon Parks. Um, thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm so, uh, I had a chance to, to meet him at a photography exhibit in Dallas. Decided oh, wow. not what to go. Yeah. Decided not to go. He died a month later. Um, uh, I like to say, I like hmm. to say it's my only regret in life.
1: <laughs> but
0: please everyone. Well, yeah, I don't no, mean he, to take time yeah. from James. Uh, you have to look him up google him there's a great Mm. autobiography that he did but it you know it was obviously a couple decades before he died and uh, and also if I unless I'm correct I I think he I'm pretty sure he directed Shaft yeah he did Mm -hmm. yeah so (laughs) yeah so thank you James for letting me veer off course there Uh, no 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 no
1: he's amazing I mean I'm a big fan as my 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 guess and you for this film, you know, just provided a great deal of, you know, um, you know, of, of help and of, of influence. Um, and, and we, Barry and I, for sure, you know, love and appreciate his work. Um, and also, I mean, you know, Roy DeCarava, who maybe is lesser known, um, you know, than Mr. Parks, I think, you know, was equally as, as influential. Uh, he's someone who photographed Harlem particularly, and, um, you know, it was a great help for us to sort of try to get our heads wrapped around, um, you know, the emotional sort of core of this movie, um, you know, his photographs have always for me felt, you know, such uh, packed with such um, emotional energy and emotional integrity and strength. Uh, And those, those qualities, we definitely felt needed to be a part of the, you know, visual um, language of, of the field. She could
0: talk. I love that. I, I'm always so intrigued. I mean, obviously I do this just because I want to hear everyone explain their um, (laughs) process. I mean, I, you know, I, I, will admit it every time I'm, I'm a cheap free master's class guy. (laughs) <laughs> and that's why I'm so thankful for everyone that comes on this show. Uh so just a little bit of a continuation on working with uh Mr. Jenkins. Um so how about was there any kind of music in the mix here? Uh any jazz, blues, something to set the tone, maybe listen to, talk about? Yeah, it's interesting. You know,
1: Barry and I, you know, very often I, I ask Barry very often anyway to um to, you know, send me things that he might be writing about or from, you know, um, uh, you know things that have influenced the creative process for him in pre-production and things like that. Um, and it's interesting, you know, I think, you know, uh, you might expect from the title of, of of it, the blues were something we passed around, but I think it was jazz, you know, more than it was blues, um, you know, as to what Barry would sort of pass back to me. Um you know along the way towards you know development and into pre production and just things I would then listen to in the work and uh you know listen to going in the evenings to sort of you know just help me provide uh you know an i an idea of pace of rhythm. Tonalities and things like that, that uh, we, you know, for, you know, for one reason, reason or another, might have been rattling around in his brain. But, you know, I'd, I'd say it was more, you know, jazz and, and you know, and Miles Davis of John Coltrane and, uh, and artists alike. Enos um, you know, alone, I think, was something. was that? What, Sonny Rollins? Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I can't remember exactly the, the playlist off of my head, what he sent oh, sorry. But I, I would be surprised if there's some Sonny Rollins in there. I think there were some Nina Simone songs in there, of course, you know, and, and just things he would like, you know, casually throw over to me, um, just sort of, you know, the, uh, you know, get my get my head in, in
0: the space of his head as well. I love that. Oops, we had a caller and then I dropped. Um, we don't usually. Yeah, we, I was going to ask if you would mind taking a caller, and what makes this funny is, is uh, the caller was my mother. <laughs> So I'm going to get the, uh, you passed up. Get it back in the line. Mind. Yeah. I know. I, I was, that's what I was going to ask you. I'll, I'll, there. So the, this all stems from a joke of we were watching project Greenlight and Matt Damon was in the middle of a budget meeting and the camera shut off and said, Matt's mother called. So my mom saw that and was like, I'm going to interrupt you anytime I want, whatever you're doing. So I don't mind. Uh, so, and no, it's I'm, great. I love it. And I know Meredith's so cool, so thank you, Meredith. Um, okay, so if she's listening, Mom, call back in. or All right, so <laughs>
1: cool. let's see. Cool, all
0: good. Cool, I appreciate that. Okay, so now let's see. Here's some, okay, so Jazz, I did have that written down. I'm going to bring that up. All right, let's see. You have, okay, so the last, last question with working with Mr. Jenkins, and also I guess this would apply to, uh, you want to pick a scene, or this would apply to just this i know I know it's different for every cinematographer and director, but I always wonder I know the final say uh, that is around Mr. Jenkins got it moving on, et cetera let's throw like you said, we'll throw all that out of the way. We know the first a d runs the show, moving on blah, blah, blah. Uh is there a time where a cinematographer can step in and be like. Hey, Hey, you know what? This sucks. You got the emotion, but I would just like the light changed a little bit. Uh huh.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I think I I I don't view my job that way. To be perfectly honest, you know, I'm, I'm much more of a person who really values, um, you know, the moments that we share and are hopefully captured, you know, on on camera and if we're on screen. Um, and those are brief fleeting moments and there's something quite unique about each of them. Um, you know, as, you know, as you're doing a scene, people move a different way. The camera moves a different way each take. And each of these are like, you know, not to be cliche, but you know, like a snowflake of some kind, you know, and they, they change and they evolve. I, I don't think that I view my job as something that, wants to be so precious about each of those, I understand that they that they mutate and they are ever ever moving around in in, in an infinite fashion and so you know I, I tend not to sort of step in you know I try not to step in ever you know of course, if something's technically wrong um you know i'll I'll say something and address it in some way, but you know um for example, like I, you know, I've been I've done an, enough films and I've been around uh, long enough to sort of know how sometimes you know when something isn't quite perfect, let's say, or I or I think of something on take four that could improve, you know, if it's worth it, I'll mention it. But you know, I, I also keep in mind that you know the time it might take for me to address something, you know, might be distracting t- for an actor who's in a in a in a moment, and that performance is so integral to the process. That maybe I'll let it go, and oftentimes I do um, in the in the efforts to make sure that I'm not deviating other aspects of this creative process. Um, again, if it's something I think will improve the film tremendously, of course I'll say something. Or if it's technically, you know, um, wrong or or a major issue to where we can't use something, you know, clearly I'll say something. But I tend not to try and step in and as much as possible um, in hopes that. Uh, you know, as once I'm sort of saying, say I'm ready to to shoot, I've lit the scene, I've put the camera where it needs to go, and I've designed a certain sort of maybe a move or whatnot. Um, you know, I I feel like that it's my that it's then my time to to pass that moment on to um, actors, to Barry, um, and 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 give them the space to create, um, you know, their, their own worlds. And so you know. Um you know, I'm not <laughs> I just I'm saying I'm just I trying to
0: not uh to not um jump in like that too often. Uh, okay. Yeah, i I'm, I'm I've I've had the fortune to I was a PA on a film and I got to see a, uh a cinematographer director team that's as known like you guys said. and for me of course just the dopey film nerd was trying so hard to not notice their process. And like you were saying, there's, mm. there's the job and you're kind of not supposed to notice. I was fortunate enough that the director and I were Sidney Lamette fans. And wow. so he would kind of let me hang around and watch when I really wasn't supposed to be. Um, mm. And I was, was like, I went home that day and I was like, was such and such letting me watch such and such work? So uh, I really... <laughs> I'm always intrigued by that. So I always want to know what the, what the process is for a DP and director. Now, uh, of course I, I see this. Um, I know this will go on to do well and it will have its own timelessness to it. Uh, but I have to just mention this with light because it frames the question for you. I've, I've never, I don't, how many people I've met who have made something where they can really sit back and be like, you know what, this is just timeless. And I've, well, I've had a few and they, but they're the, the modesty you can already tell your modest, you're cool. I can tell by your phone number. I know where you live. You're chill. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I know that area. Um, so cool. and, nice. <laughs> but just that one moment where you can sit there and be like, you know what? I shot something that is timeless, that is in the history books, that is like a mf of a movie. What, what is that like for a <laughs> cinematographer? <laughs>
1: well, I mean, um, I, I, I should say, I think time will tell whether it's timeless. Um, I, I'm very proud of the film and, you know, it's, I'm flattered um, by the attention that it's received, you know, so, so that's really the most, you know, most of how I feel about it. Um, you know, I think Barry and I, I like to think that we're just beginning and, you know, we're, we're I've, we've done three films now together, um, two in the last couple of years and, and you know, that, I'm I'm daily day to day, you know, uh, thankful for the for the partnership that I have with Barry um, and the rest of the team. You know, all, all of all of who've been involved in, in in both these last two films and more. Um, and so, you know, it's challenging for me to to sort of admit or or or, or concede the idea that is timeless. I, I think you know we're probably too young, you know, in, in career to really understand that. And, um, you know, I think, you know, <laughs> let's have this phone call in 10, 15, 20 years, and maybe I'll have a better answer to that question. Um Because oh, well, right now I you. don't
0: know. That I... <laughs> I feel like uh, hey, B, I'm game. Uh... Um,
1: <laughs>
0: cool, yeah. Now
1: you know, I, we'll,
0: I, we'll, I appreciate we'll that. Yeah. Um, Now, I, uh, Mother, are you there?
2: Um, yes. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, uh, James has been nice enough to say, get you back on the line. So how's it going? (laughs) You say, turn the pots off. I'm going to, no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. What what can I do for you, mother?
2: Well, I was trying to just be a caller, not a mother because I never have called in before. I was actually with um, a friend and he was, had come across your podcast. So anyway, that all being said, I, I, I hope I didn't disrupt, I didn't know how to do this, so. No,
0: no, but it's okay. I, Just a no, no,
1: disruption, is, no disruption at all.
2: What I want to say is uh, thank you, Mr. Laxton, for coming on um, our show. Uh, Paul really loves what he does for the for film and the craft and the artistry of it. And and he, he couldn't have, Paul couldn't have what he have has if it wasn't for people like you that were willing to, Share their gifts with the world of their artistry of what you can do so well and um, I haven't had a chance to see your latest work, but I will say that um, just the snippets that I could hear because of the the phone calling was when you were talking about your your I got your passion about uh, the colors of when you were a young child in the rooms and and how you you give that back to us through your gift of cinematography. And I just want to tell you, thank you. I just think that, um, oh. um, you know, I think that's what we all need in this world is to do our best at whatever it is each day and contribute back. And look what, look, you know, I know you don't do it for the accolades, but look what happened. The world knows these things that you do. How wonderful.
1: Mm. Well, that's very, very sweet. And thank you very much for calling. Um, you know, happy holidays. Obviously, to both of you guys. It's time for family at this mm-hmm. moment, so happy, happy to have a phone call with both of you. <laughs> um, oh, well, thank but, you. You know, I always feel like uh, you know, artwork is personal, and the more personal you can get, um, I find oddly the more relatable it becomes. Right, the more unique you are, uh, and you the more with much more specificity to where you come from and all the different types of reasons why, how we become the person we are, you know, all of a sudden, I think those things become universal. Um, we've all sort of, you know, hopefully sat down at dinner tables with our family at one time or the other. Um, and, you know, me recounting those moments um, and how they apply themselves to this film, you know, hopefully, you know, are things and experiences that we've all shared. Um, and I think that's the hope of, you know cinema generally is to connect through these universal truths and you know um I think that's true for beale street i'm not uh I didn't grow up in Harlem in the seventies and i didn't i'm i'm not um you know I'm not black I'm white and uh you know I, that doesn't mean though that I can't you know see this film and watch this film and be a part of telling the story um in a way that is um you know it attempts to understand and be empathetic to um, to these characters um in, in, in ways that you know can hopefully connect um, you know past uh our own individual worlds I and mean, I mean, that's something that I, I I quite love about my job and, and and hope to continue to do
2: i think I think it's so true the point you're making and and also too, I, what I was thinking um that you know it's our own any kind of art it's our own perception and sometimes it brings out um fond memories and sometimes not so fond memories, but I think it's also a wonderful way to heal. And if someone can walk away with something and a different, and just one slight change of perspective and, uh, Mm. you know, to help improve things, I think then, then our jobs are done. So, well, I don't Mm. want to take up too much more of you guys' time. I just wanted, (laughs) I, I was excited that I, that I never had this particular process for me before of calling in like this. And, um, and thank you so much. And I'm, I'm unfortunately in an area right now where the the film has not been released yet, so I have to wait. But um, oh. I will. Uh, it'll be a, a a few few weeks, I'm sure. But I cannot wait. And I've I've enjoyed watching some of your career. Um,
1: well, so thank we you very much.
2: So so best to you. Happy New Year. Uh, best wishes to your family and keep moving forward, son. I, I really uh, wish good things for you, too.
1: That's, well, thank you very much. Hopefully, hopefully, the does come out uh, near you soon and you get a chance to see it. But, um, yes. obviously, you know, Happy New Year to you as well and, and all the best.
0: Um, thanks so much. Okay. All right, Mom. I'll see you soon. Okay,
2: bye. Okay, bye. bye-bye.
0: Oh, and, and so you know, James, my mother actually, uh, I have the good fortune that she actually produces this show with, she's one of my producers. And she's hosted the show and interviewed some guests. So, uh, cool. Thank you for uh rolling with that. Um, anytime, that was a good conversation I about Mr. Jenkins. Uh, and so now, just the, the last technical questions I have. Uh, let's see. And this is a, just a, I love cinematographers' take on this, and I'm glad that I didn't think, start asking it earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. let's see. Stay okay. So, you 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 like you like the scene you like Feel Street Kentucky and Mr Jenkins are happy you go to color timing whatever the digital version of it is now you, you get all the stuff boom in theaters now it hit DVD it's going to be digitized I really dislike Blu-ray I saw a Blu-ray copy of Citizen Kane and there were shadows missing I was just watching something as simple as Clint Eastwood and Wolfgang Petersen The Line of Fire and it was, like, way too bright for how dark the film was supposed mm-hmm. to be. Is there anything like the sure. say of a cinematographer about that?
1: Well, you know, we, we have to at some point uh, let go, is the truth of it, right? Um, everyone's television is going to be calibrated differently. Every player and every copy of this thing as it travels around the world and to places that, you know... You know, Barry and I can't sit and tech check <laughs> every room <laughs> this film plays in. Unfortunately, I have to. Be, I mean, I would love to sit down with everybody and watch the film. Um, what a joy that would be! Uh, okay. But we have to let go. And um, you know, I, I think there's there's quite sophisticated you know um, abilities in the digital spectrums to. Uh, Translate all the work we did for the screen onto these digital versions of the film on on DVDs, on Blu-rays, etc. So you know, I have faith in that system. You know, uh, I have plenty of faith in that in that system. Um, it what really is the challenge is more so is I think you know everyone in, in in everyone's living room is a different calibrated system. You know, with different settings and and there's no standard for that. I think that is more probably the problem than it is. Uh, the digital version of something being translated to, to, to Blu-ray, let's say, you know, um, we oh. have TVs now that have smooth motion on them for sports and things like that. We have, when you go into the picture settings, there's probably like a cinema version. There's a sports version. There's a custom setting. I mean, there's like a five or six. And who knows what each, each of these things have uh, on everyone's yeah, sort of personal in-home television. So you know, I, I, we have to let go of of, of that, and um, we can't make our choices based on, you know, the the ten different settings on a television. Let's say, for example,
0: that's that's. I love to say that because I just happened to uh, be watching holy the other day. For those of you out there, check it out. Um, okay. congr- by the way, congratulations to you guys on your Golden Globe nominations for Best Picture and. Mm-hmm. Screenplay for your friend Mr. Jenkins, and of course yeah. Ms. Regina King. Thank you. Um, of course. versus yeah. is up for Best Actress for Charlize Theron. Now, I only bring up this. I was watching it, and I had interviewed the production designer, and uh, at the time, I hadn't been able to see this because I needed back surgery and I couldn't walk, and so I was mm. watching this, and I was just like, "Oh my god, she's working the shit out of magentas!" Like, I'm gonna message her mm. and be like. How would you figure this out? Well, long story short, watching the film that I very, way too well. And I'm like, that's not the color of that movie. And, <laughs> uh, and this was weeks ago. Yeah. I said to mom, I go, wait a minute. I go, you mentioned that this was movie was the same color as me. And we looked at each other. And now that you're mentioning it, i feel like, you know, I didn't go to school or graduate college. I never thought of TV settings. So so I love that you said that because I've been wanting to bring up this TV settings thing somebody, but it just sounds so peculiar. And so it's like, damn. So I don't know. So that's, I like that you say that because it now I do have to go back and watch totally and spend time wondering, did I set the colors right to Eric Steelberg? Did I, is this what Anastasia (laughs) meant? Did Jason Reitman want me to feel green or yellow right now? So yeah. Uh big sure. problem for yeah. hey, people just let it be at some point you love that song so much, apply it to life uh we always <laughs> wrap up <laughs> uh, we we always wrap up with uh two with a question or actually we always wrap up with three questions um if you're still if you're game um sure the uh I like to ask some uh, a lesson that you got for yourself. Or others that sticks out uh, from if Beale Street could talk to where you would say you would be telling me over coffee. I I pretty much know I wouldn't have learned this had I not done if Beale Street could talk.
1: Mm, okay, yeah, that's a good one. Um, hmm. You know, I, I think I think the way the way to answer that question for me has a lot to do how I approach projects from this point forward. And that changed on this, this film, because, um, you know, I think going into, into the film, um, well, I'll start start by saying cinematography as, as, as much as filmmaking really is as well is a journey into another person's world, people's world, culture, et cetera. Um, this is a space. I'm not from New York, you know. I'm not from Harlem, and I didn't, you know, grow up in 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 this story's world. Not to mention, I wasn't alive yet. Um, and I think when you do that, uh, when you when you decide to play a role and participate in the in the, in the making of a story that isn't yours, I think the first thing you have to do is listen. Um, listen to, you know. You know, the people from that world, um, if you can read about it, if you can study it, if you can just try to come to understand not just the history per se, but also, you know, the meaning and the emotional sort of integrity of the people that existed in that space. I mean, I did the same thing when I went to Miami to do Moonlight. Um, you know, quite often, you know, as a cinematographer, you show up to places that you know, are new to you. Uh, you fly in, you land. The next day, you're on Tech Scout, and you're taking pictures, and you're trying to um, apply yourself to the space. You know, apply your own vision of something to the to the location. And I think what I learned, both you know, on Moonlight, but definitely solidified on a field, she could talk was the idea of trying to let you know the place, the location, the neighborhood, the people, the city. The culture, the language, um, impress itself upon me, uh, and have have my role be something of a sponge uh, and something where I'm digesting the world around me before I start to apply uh, myself to the story. And so, you know, I, I definitely took the time, you know, in, in development and in pre-production to spend time in Harlem, um, you know, just to take walks, like you know, around the, the neighborhoods. <clears throat> to try and, uh, you know, let Harlem let me know what it wanted to look like on screen. Um, you, you know, the tones, the way light plays in, in alleyways, the way, the way light plays through Lenox Avenue, uh, let's say. Um, you know, it was important to, 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 to let Harlem sort of dictate that for itself. Um, and I think that's something I'll, I'll kind of carry with me from, from here on out.
0: That's excellent. Are Are you, um just so I can, uh, uh, for a beacon, uh, wh- where were you born and raised? If, if you don't so I was born, yeah, no, I was born in San Francisco, California, oh, um, oh, well, in the city. City. Okay. That's because yeah. as you were answering, I was like, he must have been born and not moved to where he's calling from, and I never say where a guest is at, so. Um, yeah, no, so well, I live in LA now, like, and I've lived here for yeah. about eight or nine years, but but, uh,
1: but um, but, uh, I'm originally from San Francisco and went to uh, college in Florida, which is where I met Barry and, and the whole gang of of uh, artisans that we work with on these films.
0: Um, I went to film school with them, all in northern Florida and Tallahassee, um, oh,
1: but originally I'm in San
0: Francisco, yeah. Because that, that's what was, I lived in Sacramento for four years, and... And oh, cool. I just love that. I mean, you know, I, I'm just this. This was such a, it's such a thing, and now this is making so many things click. Because once you said taking in the area and not putting you in it, I heard a quote once. It's not me. It was Carlos Santana? He said, San Francisco, mm-hmm. we don't have a superiority or inferior complex. And I thought that's mm-hmm. so true. You, you can always go there. You hang where you hang. You're are if you're on the wharf, you're on the wharf. If you're in North Beach, you're in North Beach. And so I really sure. dig that. That's cool. cool. San Francisco. art. okay. <laughs> <laughs> my last. My last <laughs> question. On a side <laughs> note, Carlos
1: Santana's aunt lived around the corner from me. <laughs> he, he's what? Anyway, I was oh. saying on a side note, Carlos Santana's aunt lived around the corner from me, which is very funny. Um, anyway, oh go
0: on. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. I mean, yeah, we're and, and we're. I've been blessed. Uh, I get being an artist for my mother, and they like since I was a kid, they taught me that like people are people, so that's why I love doing this show. Um, yeah, of sure. course. Uh, that's so awesome. And that's the, the, uh, so I'm, now you're making me think about the Fillmore, and I'm gonna get way off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, um, oh, I love the Golden Gate. Okay, so the last mm-hmm. question is, uh, obviously, uh, you're, you're, getting, you know, you, you like the story, you like the script, uh, like the director, everything's in place. Uh, what's your dream genre before you hang up? <laughs> you
1: know, it's funny. I do You know, I never think about things like that. To be totally honest with you, um, you know, I I intend honestly to keep doing this job for as long as I can. Um, and so, you know, I have like long term goals, but you know, they, they aren't um, specific to projects or working with a certain person. You know, I I, I um I consider myself to have at least twenty you know twenty some thirty years more doing this this job and so um I'm not looking for an immediate goal next uh, next next year next month next week. Um, I just want to keep making you know key telling stories that that mean something to people um, to keep being inspired by the people I work with um, and to you know to be able to participate in uh, in a, a medium where you know I find myself very comfortable, and I and I find myself uh, it, being able to express myself in in a way and collaborate in a way that I feel very proud of. And right now, that's you know continuing to work with Barry Jenkins. Um, next year, we have a TV series we're doing, um, and I you know I couldn't be happier to be you know to continue with that friendship and that collaborative process with him.
0: That's fantastic! Congratulations on that, by the way. Um, Thanks. Yeah, I know As film fans and filmmakers and, You know, you you as well when Outside of the prof- That you do it professionally I know we all uh, love When you sit back And go, oh, here's eight films That a director and cinematographer did Or five films I, I, That's like my favorite thing I mean, the Coens and Deacons And Oliver Stone and Robert sure. Richardson uh, I mean, I, when yeah. I was a little kid and discovered them I used to think they were the only guys that did that because i was like 12 or 13 <laughs> i was just like oh this is so smart that a director and cinematographer worked together on platoon and then born on the 4th of july um uh yeah, so yeah, yeah i'm i was very intrigued when i heard that you guys have were were uh teamed up again uh the, the other the, side of the question is just is just the opposite uh there's just something you would not shoot. And it, and it can't be because that's script or it can't be because budget's not there. Like, just there's no way you're going to ever be able to make this genre or
1: story. Mm. You know, I definitely think that I, I you know, I've in the past and, and I will, I'm sure, continue to in the future, you know, work in a variety of genres. So, genre won't ever be a thing that I'll shy away from. Um, you know, I think. I think. You know, for me, it's important to, to, um, you know, to, to feel personal about a project. And so, it's a, it's a film and a, and, a, and a story that, you know, I don't feel connected with, um, you know, something that I don't feel partial to, that it doesn't inspire me, and and also a film that doesn't necessarily want something from me, um, doesn't want my point of view doesn't want my aesthetic well maybe i'd shy away from that um but it isn't going to be a genre conversation it isn't going to be a a type of film or a content thing even necessarily it's just going to be a conversation about you know does this does this story impact me in a way that i want to be impacted if i'm going to be a part of its its creation
0: wow man you were like San Francisco
1: <laughs> and that's the last
0: time I'll know, it. just make me, I'm, I, I just I you're making me just yearn for Northern California right now um uh that is just such a great I mean, answer you know I've, I've I've interviewed you know and again oh but oh I should I always do this at top of the hour thank you again Curtis Harry EB Calm you guys always get us a, a great guest um the some of the cinematographers that we've had before, there was kind of consensus of they wanted to do sci-fi, and mm. it, it, for me, it's almost like Deacons put that baby to bed. But I, there's all <laughs> like you know, the journey never ends, like jazz, it's never going to end. Um, and it was funny because we had this running joke where uh, even indie filmmakers, any filmmaker, we think a filmmaker's a filmmaker. Uh, everybody, I was getting this consistent thing of. I want to do sci-fi and I won't do porn and I want to do sci-fi. I won't do porn. <laughs> and <laughs> I, and, and I started asking women this, and then it was always, you know, not slasher films or not something that hurts children or so I mm-hmm. really admire the uh, just the openness that cinematographers have of just being willing to say like what you said, just if, if I don't mm-hmm. apply, your rent, and that's what's, What's so cool that I just see as a real thread? I almost think of it as uh, that it's almost like it's necessary to be a cinematographer. Um, my favorite mm. quote about well, cinematographers. Okay. Oh, good. Good. Sorry, I didn't interrupt. I
1: was just gonna say. Oh, no. it, I think you're right. It, it is sort of unique to us. We're so often asked, I think, to uh, walk into someone else's world, to a, into a director's world to writer's world and each of that's going to be unique and you have to have the ability to still continue to, you know, um, to navigate that creatively. Um, and so, uh, I think it's almost part and parcel to the job to have the ability to do that. Um, you know, I, I think that's at least how I see my job anyway, to, to need to, to have the ability to, no matter what the genre, what the content may, may be about to engage with it. Um, and sure, you, some sometimes you don't want to. Sometimes it is isn't the right project, and that's that has everything to do with different kind of films that you, you may or may not want to be involved with. But you know, that's why I say for me, it's not necessarily about genre or 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 a kind of film, but much more specific than that. And because uh, uh, you know, I, I've in the past year had to had to, you know walked into spaces and cultures that you know I don't know that are uh, you know, um, they're not they're not areas where I've been before, physically or or, or culturally, um, and I think because of that, and you you know, because I have because you know, it's something I really enjoy engaging with that, um, I'll never say it's you know a rule by you know saying this isn't right for me, that's not right for me.
0: That's that's really uh, fantastic. I know that that's a that's a tough. Uh place for some artists to reach and i think that yeah it is always just about point of view and um you know mm. we just it, we, we, basically the last thing we always do is is we just give the guest a chance to if there's anything they'd like to say or if there's nothing they'd like to say we just kind of give them <laughs> a chance to to wrap up their their side Oh, well, uh, I don't think I
1: have anything more to say other than thank you, of course, for having me on the show. I appreciate it, and uh, your interest and your time, you know. Um, It's a very special film for me, and I'm I'm clearly honored to have played a role in it. Um, You know, to be invited into into the creative process with these actors, with Barry, with the producers, you know, all around the crew, of course, as well, um, was a real gift and something that I you know, think about a lot and, and really appreciate um, in the opportunity. So, you know, I, I, thank you to you and also thank you to the entire Beale Street team. And, um, you know, uh, hopefully people now get a chance to see the film. And, and you know, we're, I feel very lucky to, to be involved in it.
0: Well, thank you, James. And I just add in for every filmmaker that listens to the show, if you didn't listen to anything James said, listen to the fact that he thanked his team. There's nothing more annoying than working on a crew where the director's not thankful or the producers aren't thankful. So, uh, any time I did something, mm. I, I was, people would say, stop thanking me. And I would be like, well, no, cause you <laughs> just did something that deserved a thanks. So stop doing stuff. And I won't. <laughs> so and, uh, with that, <laughs> you uh, I really, I, I myself, did, I appreciated the time today. And, uh, I wish you and the film, you know, everyone involved and, uh, And, of course, you know, the people that get the link to you will. And uh, have a wonderful, happy New Year's Day season, James.
1: And to you, for sure. Take care of yourself and uh, all the best. All right. Aloha. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: And that was a wonderful interview with James Laxton. Check out if Beale Street could talk. Playing around the country, but in some areas still limited. Uh, LA and New York, of course, Chicago, the big ones got it, but it's trickling its way down. Three Golden Globe nominations. Keep an eye out for that. And again, thank you to Miss Harry uh, uh, Tram, uh, EBCOM. We appreciate the time. Talking to all, thanks to my producers. Thanks to the people who say bad idea, good idea. Have a great day. And you know how it is, whether it's morning, afternoon, or night. Make sure and watch a good movie.